You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 372, we're discussing Ahsoka Episode 5, Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom trailer. We're going to get into a little bit of action figure therapy. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Ian. Ian, Ian, Ian. I am currently, and maybe more metaphorically, laying on the couch. And I need to speak to you man to man friend to friend toy collector to toy collector because i'm going through a bit of a crisis in collecting and i need a therapist i need to steal a little something from the podcast formerly known as the Sandcrawler, and i need to talk through this a little bit we're gonna do that a little later on the episode we're gonna take turns being our own individual toy psychologists and walking (laughs) through this crisis of collecting i'm having man I gotta get I gotta get I gotta get off my chest. I've been feeling, you know, quite a lot lately with all the toys behind me and what I want to do next. And I wanna talk about that. And so we're gonna talk about that this week. And we're also gonna talk about Aquaman 2, The Lost Kingdom, this trailer that just dropped. I don't know how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna really rely on you to tell me how I should feel about this one. Because <laughs> man, I I just don't know. And of course we're gonna talk about ah- Ahsoka episode five probably one of the most pivotal one of the most fantastic and one of the most elevating star wars episodes of all time all time and i'm excited to hear what you had to think of it before we get to any of that my man how are you doing we're into the bi-weekly schedule every two weeks the nerd room's coming at you you and i were both coincidentally out in the middle of nowhere in different countries last week but Enough of that, man. How are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm glad to be back on the mic, having a chat with you. And yeah, it'd be good to share some some viewpoints on some things. Uh, there's been a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a funny up and down, especially with Ahsoka and man, like just how the hype around the show and how things blew up with that. Like, it's, it'll be great to get that off my chest and, and talk about the amazing Star Wars content we've been getting um but yeah other than that i've taken a trip went to see the in-laws which was a interesting time as i was telling you off off the <laughs> off the street um and yeah i also had some some a bit of bad luck a couple of weeks ago it was just after the the last podcast yeah, i had a dehumidifier in my toy room leak and the one thing that was right next to it was my hot toys 1978 superman uh box which ended up absolutely getting destroyed uh which actually brought me to tears man it, it made me cry i actually See, this is this is why we need the action figure therapy a little later <laughs> on the episode. you need to talk through this you get this you've been holding this in for two weeks man Jeez. <laughs> it's, gonna be tough. it's gonna be emotional end of the episode i'm gonna have to say yeah, I, I don't even know if I, I can talk about it i, I mean it's the bo- part of the box is there behind me and just looking back every time brings a well, that's tit, what these therapy yeah. sessions are for. <laughs> that's what today is for. You're going to lay on on that couch right there behind you. 
put your chair back a little bit and say, all right, doctor, doctor nerd, you know, this is, this is here are my feelings and I'm going to try to walk you through this as you're going to try to walk me through my conscience or my crisis in collecting as well. But before, nice. you know, Matt, before we get into, into collecting and all that, let's talk about one of the hottest things on or in nerd. And that's Ahsoka. This show has continued to deliver for me in every single way possible. This is such a, I, I don't even want to say breath of fresh air. Cause I've, I've liked most of the star Wars stuff, but it just feels very different than some of the other stuff we've got. Like you could maybe liken it to some of the Mando episodes we got, but this, this feels like on a completely different level and what it delivered specifically in episode five with regards mm -hmm. to Anakin, the, what is it? What is it? The, the, the place that she goes like the, oh, the world between space. worlds, world, world between, between worlds. worlds. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> so that the interaction, we finally, finally, get a live action Clone Wars, Hayden Christensen, Anakin. We get a young Ahsoka. Amazing and continue to be amazing lightsaber battles through all of this. This this whole piece with Anakin and Ahsoka was absolutely and unequivocally mind-blowing mm. for me. And for her to come out the other side as Ahsoka the White was really cool. Yeah. So let me have it here. You've been You've been holding this in really just bottle it up let me have it here man ahsoka episode five uncork dude i like i have i've actually re-watched this episode more than i've re-watched any star wars show episode uh in in the past week like i I put it on my phone put it on my ipad everywhere i was going <laughs> i was taking it with me man and i watched it on the the bullet train to and from the in-laws man i've been watching it in bed I just can't can't get enough of that one episode. Like everything about it was just so beautifully done, so well executed, um, and I think it just really showed us how well Filoni understands his universe. You know how well he understands the fans, but at the same time, he gave us something which is quite unique in the way that a lot of the Star Wars stuff we got before in the shows we get a lot of fan service, and I like I like fan service. You know, I like Me too. love it getting stuff and having references back to stuff and pointing at the screen and, you know, feeling emotional just by seeing characters and events and, you know, name drops and stuff. But I think what they did here was something next level where it was fan service that was meaningful. Like everything mm -hmm. that was given to us had purpose. It had meaning and it never felt like cheap fan service. It felt like, you know, everything that we'd been given before came together in this beautiful piece of television and there were so many moments in this one episode that just really stand out for me and like they stand out as some of the best i've ever seen in probably all of star wars like there are moments in this where i was just so emotionally moved you know i was mm -hmm. so just into what was going on on screen um and, you know, I've heard some people who didn't watch the animated stuff, all the animated stuff. Some of these people are saying that, you know, this was one episode where they did feel like they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and I do feel a little bit for those people. But I do feel like for the fans or the people who have put a lot of time and love into this show and kind of understand Star Wars, this was just, you know, a chef's kiss to... to to everything that had come before it was just a beautiful um episode of, of television and man i could talk about it for for days just like each scene 
what stood out for me. I mean, visually, it was beautiful. Seeing Anakin and taking that journey through, you know, the past and their relationship yep. through Ryloth, through the Siege of Mandalore. Um, the music in this, the sound design in this episode was phenomenal. Like one of my favorite scenes that I don't hear a lot of people talking about is when Jason's looking out over the waves and mm -hmm. he said, you know, can you hear it? And he said, no, the lightsabers. And I was just the goosebumps and all yeah, my head. Exactly. I got goosebumps. You're just saying it. Like, I'm just like, yeah, it's... right. And then the binary sunset music kicks in and I'm like, mm -hmm. Dude, I'm, I'm losing it, man. I can't, I can't take anymore. Like, stop. This is just insane. Yeah. Um, and then it just pans to this this scene, you know, this this shot behind the the three of them, um, you know, Chopper, Hera, and and Jason looking over the water, and I just felt like everything was just expertly shot. You know, it was it was almost artistic. It, it was artistic. Yeah. It was just so so well done. Um, so yeah, for me, like this episode of of Ahsoka is definitely up there with some of the best Star Wars I've I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And the the way it's taken the show, you know, from something which I've already I'm already in love with into the direction it's gone and and what it's become, I think this is definitely you know something that's going to stand out for for a very long time. But yeah, yeah totally. How, how about you, man? Yeah, I, I'm kind of right there with you with with all of it, with the feelings, the rewatching, the the emotional moments, the sound design, and I like you said, like you forget a little bit that there is quite significant pieces in there with Jason and Hera and all that as well. And, and him stepping into the force a little bit and her feeling it a little, you know what I mean? So mm. there's, there's just so many pieces to this, but I think like you said, the, the thing that stands out the most is, is the way this is shot. And this was directed by Dave Filoni. And if this doesn't give you confidence that he can deliver a big screen adaptation of something like heir to the empire, I don't know what what else someone can do because this show more so than a lot of them, even Mando feels bigger. Like it just, even in the world between worlds and when they're on that planet with Hera and all, it just, it all feels like they're on a big set. I don't know if they are. And the Clone Wars stuff felt more like it was lower. There was the fog, but it still felt large scale to me. Like they're shooting on a, somewhere very big mm. and it makes the universe feel more realistic and that's what i love about it i don't feel like they're shooting on the volume i've said this before that that was starting to really bother me with some of the marvel and star wars shows when i felt like i was being caged in 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 these sets and now that this feels so big and you're taking such big swings and concepts it it really stands out in that aspect for me the the design of of every single shot and the meaningful and purposeful shots with Anakin, you know, like mm. the thing that they always benefited from with the animation or Floney did specific shots. They control the lighting, they control this. And I, yes, I get they can do all that, but there's just something so beautiful about some of those silhouetted shots with Anakin that you see yeah. when he's walking into the fog. And then there's transition moments where you see the glimpse of Vader, boom, boom, back and forth. Like, I was surprised we didn't get a a full on Vader Ahsoka fight when he was kind of dark side Anakin, but I am kind of glad that they didn't do that because 
although they did fight in in Rebels, I liked that it was a much more intimate battle between her and him where you could always see his face. And yeah. and they did such a good job de-aging him and cuz when they he showed up in Obi-Wan Kenobi, I don't think they de-aged him. And you could tell he was quite a bit older mm-hmm. playing that 17-year-old age kid in this they they did the de-age swipe and it looked fantastic, you know, going back yeah. to the Clone Wars version of him as well. And so it's they seemingly really put the money and the effort into making this a very special episode. But the only thing I will say and to echo your thoughts and to echo things I've said in the past is this show has a relatively high barrier for entry. And I was talking to a friend this weekend and his wife, and she was kind of like, oh, do I have to watch a whole bunch of stuff? And he was like, yeah, I think to really understand it and appreciate it, you need to watch, you know, a handful of Rebels episodes. But I would say this episode specifically was a pure love letter from Filoni to the fans via his Clone Wars and Rebel stuff. Yeah, like th- this this you you don't get emotional if you don't appreciate all of this stuff that y- that he has put in front of you. And like, yes, you get the Anakin stuff, but the moments uh, with the Clone Wars and the Clone Wars Anakin via Hayden Christensen, like you just don't get that connection. Like you yeah. you probably didn't even know that. And the snips comment, you know, you probably don't know a lot of that or understand of it. And so, or understand it. And so the appreciation for it maybe isn't the same. So it'd be interesting to hear from more GA fans, from more periphery Star Wars fans. Like, I don't think my wife would understand what's going on in this. Like she's seen all yeah. the movies. She hasn't seen any of the animation. She hasn't invested a ton in the shows. Actually, none in the shows. So I don't think she would understand or appreciate what's going on on the screen. Yeah, and me so, too. So that is that is a I'm not I'm not going to say a problem, but I guess it's okay that this show is is meant and made for the Star Wars fan base. I guess the the inner circle maybe, if you will. Yeah. I mean it's it's been received it seems to be received pretty well amongst the mm-hmm. majority of people. Um I think what it, what it does is the show does try to explain a lot of things in a way. Um, you know, when you had the Purgle, the whale, the the whales, the space yeah. whales, you know, they they do try to give you kind of explanations, and they still keep yeah. giving you more and more. Like in the most recent episode, they give you a little bit more, and and you kind of, I think, for someone who hasn't seen the the animate stuff, there's enough there for you to still appreciate things that are going on. Um, yeah, but yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, I think can, so too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I do think that there's there's just that that extra uh, for the the kind of the 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 more devoted fans who have put a lot of time and effort into kind of understanding the show, and even just a simple thing such as Anakin and you know Ahsoka being Anakin's Padawan, like even that's yeah. a, you know you think that's just common knowledge, but actually to to most people they wouldn't even know that that he had a Padawan. Yeah. Um, so I, I I do see why some people might struggle with those those aspects of it. Uh, but then, you know, I also feel kind of sorry for those people in a way that, like, I think what's what's genius about this is the fact that, you know, it is Filoni and Filoni has spent so much time developing this 
this part of Star Wars, this aspect of Star Wars, and these characters and their relationships through Clone Wars and through the through Rebels, uh, and I think that's another reason why this feels a lot bigger. Like you said, it, it just feels it feels more real. Like the relationships feel mm-hmm. real, and it feels like when people are off doing things in different places, it feels like they're real places and they have their own stories in those yeah. places. It's not like you're just being given another character over here doing something. You know, you you're caring about where each of these characters are and what mm-hmm. they're doing and then when they come together it has a lot more meaning you know just sabine and and sabine's choices you know to a lot of people might think well she's very selfish you know she's she's she like she's kind of a bad guy you know she's ultimately caused a, a war you know she could have stopped everything and prevented everything mm-hmm. and and she chose not to but for the people who understand that relationship you know she called ezra her brother it was the closest thing she had she you know he had to assist her um and you know it just makes it a lot more real it, it just adds a lot more depth to to the universe and mm-hmm. i think that's what's great just having one mind and a great one at that a great creative mind like feloni having control and going through the process and having it that continuity and having that cohesion and having that development really shows with with this show yeah. um it shows that some this is someone who really understands but you know it also shows why other aspects of star wars haven't done so well in the past where you might get someone like uh, i don't know, like a jj abrams or a ryan johnson in who have a slightly different vision a slightly different way of looking at star wars and then mm-hmm. it kind of feels different it feels alone it feels disconnected it doesn't feel as big um so i think what they've got with this is something pretty special and i you know i definitely recommend anybody who's watching this who haven't seen the anime stuff to go back and you know give it some time you don't have to watch everything you know disney actually have given a list of things to watch to better understand this and i think a lot of clone wars you can drop um but there i've never watched clone wars like like i've watched a hand i've watched a handful of of the important arcs and i watched the last season Mm-hmm. of clone wars that they put on disney plus but i've never invested the time and effort so i still struggle more with the mandalorian side of things but i have seen all of rebels okay. and so yeah i i appreciate those relationships a lot more and ahsoka's role with sabine and the MacGuffin that is has ezra that they are chasing that might be a bit elusive to the more of the periphery crowd crowd like who is this ezra don't know that he is a, he's a jedi and he's done this and he was trained by jason's father who mm. died you know so there's so much history there that Interesting, yeah. hasn't really been mentioned like there's not there's there was a mention of kanan but not that he basically sacrificed himself and that he's a blind jedi and ezra was his padawan and he was also a, you know so there's 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 hints of that like ezra's lightsaber but there is a lot of i'd say glossing over of some of those important pieces or those nuanced pieces that give us the goosebumps when we hear certain things that yeah make us feel a certain way when we see jason this young kid feeling the force in the way he does because we appreciate who his father was and who Ezra was and and how he connects to all of this. Yeah. Where right. you you might not be getting that and like I agree with you in the sense that they're telling a phenomenal story and having a singular vision is making this feel very cohesive and not having contrasting directorial styles also makes a big difference to me 
Like you, if you go back to some of the Mando where you had Robert Rodriguez come in, very cool, but it was very different from the previous episode and the episode that happened after. And yeah. this feels like it's all being shot purposefully to feel of a piece with one another. And yeah. you don't always get that with some of these things that flip flop between directors and director styles and, and how things are, are executed. And so I, like you said, this feels very much like it is being guided by a singular vision and a singular hand. And it is benefiting from that. But there yeah. are pieces that people just aren't going to get. But I think, I think that's, that's that's also I, I think also a nice thing to have though it, it's kind of it's good to have that balance you know if mm-hmm. people can really enjoy the show and appreciate it not with having all of that kind of extra exposition and extra stuff um from the past then i think that's good that that stuff's there it's, you know it's like the people who read the books or people who read the comics and yeah they know extra stuff and they can appreciate things even more and you know i'm yeah. not someone who reads all of the books um but there's times where you know i've heard about certain stories and I've gone in and investigated it or I've read parts of a book and like, wow, you know, if I actually jumped into that side of things, you know, you can actually appreciate things even more. Even like with mm-hmm. the Clone Wars, like, you know, just little scenes with seeing, uh, you know, uh, Ahsoka when she's young, you know, it makes a difference maybe if you've seen her. Because back in the day of early Clone Wars, like, I didn't like Ahsoka. Like, no, she was either. really annoying. Like, I think most yeah. people didn't like her. And, you know, to go back to that and see that kind of progression and to realize things like how young she was when she took on Darth Maul, you know, how young she was when she was being trained by, by Anakin and like how far she has come. And it shows as well that progression in her character, like how she's gone from being a lot more kind of upbeat and kind of quirky to this more kind of stoic character that's, that we're seeing now. Um, I think, you know, all of that stuff is, it's great to have that there. You know, even I've been going back and trying to investigate some stuff like the, mm-hmm. the Clone Wars, the the Mortis gods. And I was wondering if those were connected to the world between worlds because they, I think they, so they were. Cause they in were Rebels, in that episode, yeah. Because in Rebels, yeah, he goes through, He's... Ezra goes through the mural that was painted by those those gods. And there's that connection yeah. where the, the daughter the the daughter of the father of the the gods um saved ahsoka he he brought her back to life right so like Mm -hmm. she's always had that connection where she can be pulled into the the world between worlds by that that owl i forgot the owl's name so like you know you have that connection there people like how did she get into this place but you know there are little things there that if you Mm -hmm. go back and look for them you can put some pieces together and i think that's really exciting i think that's really good to have that adds a lot more depth to to the story rather than just a very simple straightforward narrative well and i think that that's something to be said about all of that what you just said with regards to the idea of not everything has to be made for everyone and i'm not talking about like a singular group or whatever i'm saying like it's okay to make something for star wars fans and if that invites intrigue into the universe and then, like you said if it helps people go on this journey of exploration into star wars and through different pieces of star wars that's really good for for the brand that's really good for the stories and that's really good for what potentially could happen next and i like that like i've always been very invested in this idea of it's all connected and canonical nature of of storytelling and sometimes you can feel the weight of it and sometimes something like this is delivered and it's just so great that maybe it will encourage people to go back to rebels and like people that i know that 
I use the word periphery Star Wars fan, where they're not invested and they're not following everything day by day and and all that. But I know people that are going back and watching Rebels, that are going back and, and plucking things out of the Clone Wars and asking questions about Thrawn. And so I think that's really cool. It gets people talking and gets new people invested in these characters, which will then be translated up onto the big screen, which is going to be absolutely incredible. Yeah, I agree. And there's not many franchises that you can actually do that, you know, where you can actually go back and invest some time into something, you know, yeah. and, and learn a lot more about it. And then return to what we have now and appreciate it even more. Like it just yeah. shows how big this this franchise with this universe is. And I think, yeah. yeah, we should be people should be very happy they have the option to do if they want and don't do if they don't if they don't want to. Yeah. Well, one thing that I forget sometimes is that, you know, my entry through Star Wars was really the special editions and then into the prequel trilogy. And some people's was 77. And some people's, like Carlos's daughters and that, were through either Mando or through Rebels and Clone Wars. Mm. And we have to remember that there's this whole group of, this whole generation of Star Wars fans that this is their Star Wars. Yeah. Their yeah, entry was Rebels. Their entry was the Clone Wars. And so them seeing this is boom, like this is happening. And I, I text Carlos every week after I watch the episode and be like, all right, how did, how did his oldest daughter's like a huge fan? I said, how did yeah. she react to this? And he gives me kind of a play by play of, of her reaction and she is losing her mind. But that's because her entry was via Mando, Rebels, Clone Wars. Like that's her Star Wars. This is such a generational franchise that everyone has their own entry point. And I often forget that a lot of people's entry point was either through the sequel trilogy in this generation or realistically some of those that are in kind of moving towards the early 20s was Rebels, Clone Wars, Man. Like, it, it's it's very interesting to think of how generational this is. And I got to, I often forget that piece of it, that this is a lot of people's Star Wars. Yeah, I think that's another good thing with, with Star Wars as well, though, with each generation, it kind of, you have that continued love for stuff. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about Batman and have their Batman, who is their Batman. Yeah. But, you know, when even when we started liking Star Wars, when we were kids, we were born after the movies came out, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would say Darth Vader, the black Darth Vader is, that's Darth Vader for me, you know, mm -hmm. not the Anakin Skywalker version. I mean, of course, he's Anakin Skywalker, but that kind of, you know, that look. But, I mean, he came before I was born. It's just like that was the toys I'd play with and that was the yeah. movies I, I kind of grew up with. Um, and, you know, I was only like, you know, in, when the prequels uh, movies came out, I was only like a teenager. And, you know, you yeah. think even those movies should be my my Star Wars. So I think, you know, we've had that kind of, you know, we've been involved with each kind of generation of, of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And it's great that, you know, we still contain that love and we still, you know, have that connection and young people now still have connections with the older stuff that came yeah. before they were even born. And again, that's another very unique thing with Star Wars. You know, people aren't just jumping into the things that they know. People are invested in the whole, the whole mm. kind of universe. Um, but again, at the same time, like, I think that's, that's really interesting. I never really thought about that. Like there must be a lot of people out there who, you know, Clone Wars, they were kids when Clone Wars came out and they were yeah, watching they Clone Wars it. as kids. Yeah. And they enjoyed it and they had action figures and they had like books and stuff. And now like they're seeing it in live action. And That's I wonder if cool. they're like, I'm losing my mind. I wonder what they're feeling. You know, yeah. it went, you know, when I saw Rex, I was like, oh, there's, there's Rex. Some people yeah. like Carlos's daughter's probably just almost passed out when she's flipped she out. Showed. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. Star, yeah. Star Wars is like very much like an entry point. Like whatever the, the first thing you saw is that that's your Star Wars. Like for me, like I said, it was the special editions. So that 
like that was my entry point was the original trilogy. And so I was like you as a teenager when episodes one, two, and three came out, but I always felt more connected to the original trilogy because that's my entry point. Yeah. And I, I love that about Star Wars. Like the, the generational nature of Star Wars is, is a fascinating topic that maybe we'll get into down the road someday. But we got to move on to a little something else before we get into some action figure therapy. And that is the Aquaman trailer. Now, ever since Carlos <laughs> departed, I've had a very hard time keeping up with DC on the nerd room here. And I, I do my best, guys. I do my best. But my love and passion is Star Wars and Marvel. And I think Ian bridges the gap a little bit, but I think you do lean a little bit towards towards my end of things based on your yeah. room and all that. Um, not not the same way, but maybe a little bit more. So I, I really tried to watch this trailer several times. I really tried to like it, but to be honest with you, I like Momoa. I like when he yells and does crazy stuff. But I just honestly, I the the start of the trailer okay i'm gonna start i'm gonna back it up a little bit the start of the trailer felt very james gunn-esque to me like with the music and the the narration by jason momoa him talking about having you know a baby and a life and a job and the job is he's the king of half a billion people or or things animals and then it just goes into this very cgi bash him up sort of story that feels a little bit like a rehash of what we had in Aquaman one with the return of what's his name, black Manta. And then him going, getting his brother that he beat up in the, like it just, it just felt a little messy to me if I can put that Mm. out there. And I'm sorry to all the DC fans. And if I'm misinterpreting this, Ian, please, please guide me into a a path of, of redemption for this trailer. But I'm just not feeling it, man, and I'm, I'm I I do apologize to to all the fellow nerds out there. I it's just not well, I'm not seeing this in the theater, even though I have it in the box office fantasy pool. I guarantee you, I'm not spending twenty five dollars to go see this. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll watch well, Rebel I mean, Moon before I watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I there's not much I can give you to be honest, dude, because I'm kind of in the same place, and. For me as well, like, I wasn't a fan of the first movie. So I've never been a big kind of Aquaman guy. I thought the first movie was okay, but I didn't think it was anything, you know, outstanding. And some people, you know, really loved that movie. And I I never really got what was was so appealing about it. Um, But yeah, seeing the trailer, I thought, I mean, I thought the trailer looked good. Yeah, it looks, it looks. Again, visually, like, I think... A lot of issues people have had with a lot of the recent DC uh, DC stuff is the the visual effects, and I do think this they've spent a bit of money on this to make it look kind of nice. There were some scenes where it's again like, oh my god, like they've got a CGI human and looks a little kind of alien, looks you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't look uncanny. Look, it looks uncanny, yeah, but like, yeah, I I I have the same feeling as you, and you know? it's kind of like it started off, and it does. I liked the idea of Jason Moa being, you know, he, seeing his human life because um, I like him. He's very kind of likable. He's fun mm-hmm. to watch. He can be very funny, uh, and I think that's what most people kind of go to to see Aquaman mo- an Aquaman movie for. 
But as for the rest of the trailer, again, it was just lots and lots of visuals. The story seemed very similar. It seemed quite generic. It didn't seem anything overly unique. You know, I, I, I the heard... best word is generic. Like it just felt like it was something that was just pulled off the shelf and plugged in. Like you know, and yeah, yes, Marvel movies suffer from that too. I'm not saying this is an exclusively an Aquaman or a DC thing, but it just it just feels like we've seen this before. Yeah, and that was the I, same I think criticism that's... I threw at Blue Beetle. I feel like I've seen this before. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think that's like we talked about this before, and I think that's the one thing with the superhero movies, like the kind of that fatigue. Um, but mo- there are superhero movies that do come out that are unique and they do do mm-hmm. things differently and do take a next step and do push things forward. And I just don't see that happening with this this Aquaman movie. It did feel very James Gunn at the start, just with the opener. And then, you know, I read well, James Gunn had that... nothing to do with this movie other than the fact yeah, that yeah, yeah. I know, it, was, yeah. it existed and he was likely part of some form of the trailer process here. Like, or at least he had some input, I would guess. Yeah, but he has it makes me wonder, the, like, the makeup are, of this movie. are these movies actually influenced by the things that have come before? Do you know, do these creators actually get that influence or is it hard for them to break away from that? Um, because, you know, like I watched Blue Beetle recently and Blue Beetle, like, again, I, I sat through it. I enjoyed it to a degree, but it was basically an Iron Man movie. It was Iron Man 1 with a Mexican family. Mm-hmm. It was just so obvious but i'm gonna guess if i could take a wild stab at this that the stuff you like the most was the stuff with zolo his family and not in the suit or not fighting right is that am i no, i think my the stuff i liked was Sholo when he was actually just fighting and okay. being and when he was on his own like the the fight scenes the uh choreography in this is actually really good um the fight scenes are pretty cool the suit looks really good and he again, he's really likable. You know, we like him from uh, Cobra Kai, and he's mm-hmm. he plays he's basically awesome. the same character. He's the same yeah. kid. Like, I don't think he doesn't really have that much acting range. He's not really a great actor. There's times in this where it's like, yeah, man, like he's not to that level just yet. <laughs> but he's just really likable. You know, you do want to watch him. You find him fun. You you kind of want him to be a superhero, and you kind of want to see him on the screen. Um. But yeah, the, but the rest of it, again, that whole movie was just incredibly generic. It was so unoriginal. Derivative. Yeah. The, the, the villain was almost the same as the first Iron Man movie. The progression was almost the same. He's got this voice in his suit, which is exactly the same as the Iron Man voice. You know, the, um, what's his name? Jar- Jarvis. But Jarvis, before Jarvis yeah. was a female, was he after? I can't remember. Oh, Jarvis point, was a male, and then it's a, Jarvis it was, was a... male. The, wasn't he a female? Wasn't the first before Jarvis the first Iron Man? It was a female voice, right? In the suit, well, it's always been Jarvis. It's always been Jarvis. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Well, there's Spider Man. Spider Man has one. Yeah. Not Friday. Well, not Friday. Friday was like the after Jarvis became Vision. Maybe that's uh, no. oh, the timeline book that's coming out soon. We'll, we'll be able to <laughs> yeah, okay. all of this. <laughs> Spider-Man's got a female one though, right? He does. I can't remember to be honest. I think, <laughs> yes, it does. But, uh, yeah, he does. It yeah, doesn't yeah. really matter, but uh, the voice is know. very, the voice is very similar. The way the voice speaks and the interacts is, is almost exactly the same. So it just felt like I was watching that same, same movie again. Mm-hmm. And for me, like you talk about the family, that was part of the, 
the movie that I, I couldn't con- connect with. Oh, I mean, really interesting. The the I, I think that's an, a very hit or miss with going to be with a lot of people. Either you're the person who likes that kind of humor. It was a very kind of Shazamish where it's just really mm-hmm. stupid. Like it's so ridiculous. The humor is it's not witty. It's just over the top fart jokes, kind of people shouting, grannies with machine guns, and it's like, all right, I get what you're going for. There's going to be an audience probably larger than the audience I belong to who liked that. But for me, it was just like, oh man, let's get them off. Let's it's just it's funny because the the reason I was, I was tossing that out there is because I find more recently I've been connecting more with the human element of the movie than the superhero element of the movie in a lot yeah. of these. And and I just am thinking like, okay, let's get through this action scene so that we can get to, to some more talking and feel like that way in The Flash. And I felt that way about some of the Marvel movies. It's like, okay, I know we have to get through this like very typical and must have action sequence, but like, let's, let's get back to those intimate moments where you get some character development, you get a bit of the feels for, for some of this stuff. And I found myself craving more of that. And that was the same thing I felt in this, in this trailer is like, okay, I kind of dig this like Aquaman fish at a water thing. And, and as soon as they get into the water, like, although the music to the trailer was kind of cool, like you said, the visuals were there. It felt like a, a sci-fi flick almost based on the the tone of the, of the music they were using and all that. But yeah, I agree. I think as well, like, you know, when we saw the aspects of Aquaman, when he, they get him in the Zack Snyder's Justice League and, you know, he's in that kind of fishing village and, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're singing that kind of Nordic song to him because he's, he's kind of seen as, yeah. as a god. And it'd be cool if they actually like just spent some time with that, you know, him no. surrounded by people and how people interact with him and him, him trying to live a normal life, but also, you know, being seen as this kind of superhero and this god rather than, oh, my family are under attack. Let's go back to the sea, get the same characters from the last movie and, and fight again. And yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe we'll be surprised, but that's that's what yeah. it came across as in the... In the- I- I truly hope we are surprised by this one and that it isn't just the last DCEU movie that we ever see comes and goes and just fizzles as opposed to landing or sticking that final movie landing. Right now, I don't have the confidence it's going to do that, but I yeah. do like being wrong have, when it comes to I like have this. heard some, some rumblings. I know a good friend, um, Nico from Vigilante, he said that he's he's mentioned something on Twitter about you know he it going taking a direction from the comic books I think he said and he says like he's a big a big surprise and he thinks mm. he's gonna make that and he doesn't know if it will happen but like he thinks that will might be part and I've asked him what it is and he says it's like a big spoiler um, I don't really care about about knowing because I think that will probably pique my interest if it is something a little different um, but I think the people who probably do know Aquaman probably know more than we do in the way that this story might be going and it you know hopefully it is a a big a big surprise for us fingers crossed it makes a billion dollars because i am losing very bad in the box office (laughs) one of my i'm the only one with two movies left of the marvel if if mira dies i'll probably go and watch it 10 times so (laughs) she shows up once in the in the trailer no, one 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 moment i'm assuming it's her kid as well so i don't know how they're gonna get around not having a mother 
guess we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I wonder. Like, it'd be interesting to see how that affects the movie because I actually seen a lot of support for for Amber Heard on. It was uh, so Twitter, long ago. Twitter a lot of this too. Like, are the I think most people's like I never really believed that the Ezra Miller stuff was like having a huge impact on yeah. the Flash. I think it was just because it is what it is. So we'll see. We'll see how all that all shakes out. But man, it's time some therapy just a little session here to close out the episode i'm going to stretch down on the couch i'm going to close my eyes i'm going to speak ever so softly into the microphone and and ask you for some help ian (laughs) it has been one year almost since i bought a an action figure i can't remember the last time i actually bought something maybe maybe Mm -hmm. i think i bought like an et when it was still, there's still snow on the ground here. We're about to get snow here in the not too distant future. So it's going to say a better part of a year before I've, I've bought anything substantial and, and purposeful. I think, yes, I bought that ET at Christmas time last year because I got it as a gift or I yeah. got a gift card. So let's call it January. It's the last time I bought something. Last time I bought a Marvel legend was for multiverse and madness was the last wave of MCU Marvel legends. I bought, Wow. Um, I've been a bit stagnated on my retro collecting. I haven't done much. And I think it's been a very healthy break for me from mm-hmm. a collecting perspective is that I've kind of shook off that that itch. But I will say it's come back. I'm starting to feel a little itchy, my friend. And, and dip my toe back into into the world. But this is where first piece of disappointment comes in. The thing that got me interested, the thing that got me itchy, was I saw a wave of Marvel Legends that was released. Infinity Saga, because that's where my bread and butter is for that line. And the key thing that got me back was they were they were what I thought was an update to the stealth suit Captain America from the winter soldier so that blue suit blue shield they released the figure as part of the initial relaunch of the marvel legends in 2014 and i was like oh my because they they re-released that that bearded cap that was really well done from infinity war they re-released the winter soldier from falcon the winter soldier but it was actually from winter soldier like all redone and i thought they were doing the same thing to this cap I had a good look at it today and it is simply a re-release with a new head sculpt, not even a new head sculpt. It's the head from the end game cap that's been painted in the lighter blue to match the tone of the stealth suit. But the new captain America buck they've been used has a much bigger chest. And this one is, is an old, old buck. Like it's over 10 years old. And it looks like it's basically just a re-release. Then I went through the other release, the other ends, a Thor of the Dark World re-release. It is a Black Widow re-release. Maybe a slightly mm-hmm. updated head sculpts on both of those. Yeah. It's a War Machine re-release. I'm thinking, oh man, I thought this was all updated stuff and I was like excited to, to go through and update some of these figures. And now I'm feeling a little bit down, man. I'm feeling a little bit down about Marvel Legends and I don't know what to do here. I don't know if I should dip my toe back into the infinity saga because there is one cool there's a bruce banner or much better bruce banner head sculpt mark ruffalo head sculpt so maybe i'll grab that but i don't know like do i want to get back into 
the six inch collection should i ian i have i have another thing on the retro side but this is my first thing you know i know you've you've talked about getting out of the six inch stuff mm-hmm. like, do you have any do you have any advice any wisdom that you can impart on me here what should i do i need some answers dude i th- wish i was i was the right person to talk to you about this because like i'm you know i'm i'm someone who has a kind of back and forth you know i i went through a period of collecting six inch stuff and that was you know my my focus mainly the star wars star wars black series um and then i kind of started to sell a lot of that stuff and go at a slightly larger scale to the to hot toy stuff and it was a period of time i was super happy with that just hot toys you know just the the larger scale 12 inch um and then it was kind of through meeting you guys, you know, the nerd room and stuff that I started to fall in love again with some of the smaller stuff because you can get it out and you can play with it a lot more and, you know, it's a lot more durable and you can pose it. And I'm at a stage where, like, I kind of went from, I had the Marvel Legends, there's the Mafex, there's the SH figure art stuff. And now I, I'm kind of, I, I slowed down. Um, probably around the same time as you kind of slowed down and just picked up key little things here and there. It's tough because I, I think what Hasbro are doing, you know, I'm seeing a lot of complaints with Hasbro in terms of their releases and a lot of it is is re-releases. They're focusing a lot more on the comic side of stuff and the kind of... Yeah. Um, even their, their HasLab, their new one's like a Giant Man, this huge $200 giant man figure which really i didn't even see that i have to check this oh, really? out Ezra. it looked it looks it looks really cool like the face face plates on it and the paint application on it is it's like a marvel legends like... like giant man yeah it's huge oh it's, it's like massive. a comic giant man it's not comic a... one yeah oh, it's like cute. 24 it's an mcu one 24 inches tall it's massive but i guess that's like you know they released their the the um sentinel before and the Galact- mm. uh, galactus um, but yeah, like for me with the Marvel Legends, like the one way I, I enjoyed it was I realized just to stick with, with the smaller scale, I stick, stick with kind of comic book characters and comic book characters that I like, and they don't really age and they don't need to be updated because they already look kind of cartoony and they're kind of fun to, fun to have there. But saying to get back into it is, it's a tough one. Um, I think for me, like recently I've been picking up some more toys and just, it does make you feel good, man. Oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm craving that a little bit. I'm craving that, like, satisfaction. Yeah. One thing I've been doing recently is just, like, I've been looking at other toy lines, and I just focus on key characters, you know, or, or mm-hmm. ones that I like, things that have influenced me through my life. It might be through video games, movies, comic books, anything like that. And then, you know, I look. I don't just stick to one line. You know, I'm not really focusing on being a completionist with, with any yeah. lines. Recently, I've started picking up some um, some amazing Yamaguchi Revel text. They've released some recently. There's like this Spider-Man. I know people can't see it on the screen, but it's just like a very fun figure to play with. And I just That's have cool. it on my desk and, you know, just the action poses you can get out of it and stuff. It's just really nice just to have there. But the quality of them is way better. So you pay more. You have mm-hmm. a smaller quantity, but they're just really fun to have on, on display. Um, yesterday I opened two three zero uh, transformers, and man, like they're some of the best toys I've ever owned. They're cool. so fun. Like I got Optimus, and then I had to get Rodimus Prime because he was he was my boy back in the day when the the movie came out. 
I just love that the orange and stuff and like the figures are just so freaking awesome. Whoa, that's cool. But like the posability on them is just insane. Like Optimus, just like the things he can do, how he can lift his legs and his arms and stuff for such a blocky kind of chunky transformer. They can't transform. But man, like yesterday, just opening those toys just made me realize, you know, taking a bit of a break. I get some things here and there just now and then. But there are certain toys that when you do open them, you just get those feels, man. Like, you know, I'm missing that. Yeah, that, that exact idea that you're explaining there, I'm missing right now. And because it's been so long and like it, it's it's only up until like the last week or two that I've actually started to feel that void. And mm. before that, like I had like, especially through the summer and it, I just haven't, it hasn't like I've walked into my, I, I'm in this room every single day, every single day, yeah. multiple times a day. And I still love my stuff and I still go up there, but it feels to a point like I want to, I want to round out some of the lines that I haven't quite completed. But when you, when you mentioned about something different, this is, this is where I want to throw something at you to see what, what you have to think about this. So I've been thinking about this for a long time and it really stems from one of my favorite podcasts is a podcast called the major wrestling figure podcast. And it's a couple guys. It's a fantastic podcast. The wrestlers, and they are huge collectors of not only wrestling stuff that is their their focus, but a couple of them on it are also Star Wars collectors and Jurassic Park collectors and pops and all this kind of like all this crazy stuff, Disney. And so I love listening to these guys, even though I don't collect wrestling figures. But mm-hmm. I did when I was younger, I had the Hasbros. And I'm really contemplating getting in and doing a loose collection of those. Now, some of them are expensive and hard to get, but you could, I could start this and just kind of push because it's like the 80s and early 90s guys, like Hogan era up until like your kind of new gen Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart stuff. So I was really thinking about, okay, like I, I love the retro space. I have a connection to these from being a kid. I love that era of Macho Man and, and all that. Do I go back and do that? Like, I think that's where I'm going to go. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go down that direction as opposed to anything else. Like I don't have anything like that in my collection, but I think it would fit really well with what I have with the turtles and Jurassic park and star Wars. Like I, it fits that late eighties, early nineties era of toys that I've kind of got a bit of a, a tribute to here inside of my collection right now. Yeah. Sounds good. Like, I think you've got to really decide like what kind of things make you kind of happy and what things you Mm -hmm. enjoy collecting and chasing and and buying you know i think you know like like you with with your infinity saga stuff like i I went for a stage where like marvel um the hasbro stuff were releasing these figures or mafix especially with the mafix because they were releasing things you know every month or every couple of weeks or so and i was like i gotta get every one of them because they're really cool but like I was ending up picking up characters that I didn't really care that much for, didn't have as much connection with just because they mm-hmm. were really great figures. And I enjoyed opening them and they put them on my shelf and then they're, they're just there. But there are, I think, some toys, some collectibles that you do have a lot kind of stronger connection with. And it doesn't have to always be vintage stuff as well. Like, you know, I went back when I went back to the UK, I got 
out a load of toys and going through all my Kenner Star Wars figures. And I'm like, you know, I love these toys and I do have a connection with them, but I have no intention to actually start, you know, searching mm. for them and, and exp- extending that collection. Um, because like with the Transformers, I like, I actually like quite like new and up- updated and yeah. great looking stuff, but versions of things that I used to love or have a strong yeah. connection with. And I that's where, that. uh-huh. that's kind of where my focus is now, you know, with the turtles, I got the super seven figures and, and I just love those. I love picking them up and just playing around with them. Cause it reminds me of the old playmate ones, but I'd never go back and get the playmates ones because these ones, I just love the look of them. So it gives me those feels and it reminds me of them, but there's also something that I like to kind of have on display. So recently I've been picking up like, this is really random, but like, I love Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, that's and cool. I, saw, I saw this little Sonic Hedgehog. It's like less than $10. Like, you know, it was in, when I was back in England, I'm like, oh man, I've got to get that. Sonic. it just looks like the Sonic that I used to play when I was a kid. And then I walked past the uh, computer exchange shop and they had some Sega Mega Drive games and they had Sonic 1, Sonic 2. Ah, cool. Did in you the get case. Them? So I bought them, yeah. And nice. they, were, they weren't that much. They were like six, one was six pounds, one was 10 pounds, pretty cheap. And I just, just having those brings back these kind of feelings and these memories. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, I think that's a good way to go in terms of like, you know, finding that connection with something. <clears throat> but I don't think you always have to, it doesn't always have to be vintage. I think it depends if that's what you, you like. I know. You yeah. And that's, that's, kind of, that's yeah, what I like. That's like, it, I have like the strong connection to it and like it, it connects me to my roots and, and it reminds me why I love all this stuff. And so it's that's definitely the direction, but the wrestling stuff is, is just so different for me because I, I like most of my stuff is like Star Wars or science fiction or fantasy or something like that. And like, but this is this is going to be different, which I, it kind of excites me about that. Like I've never done this before, and I've been listening to these guys in this podcast for like four years, five years, whatever it's been. And so I, I kind of know some of the stuff, and so I'm not going into it blind. And so what's what generation was this? What era was this? This what like was this you're talking about is this late 80s, early 90s? I think so. Yeah. Like the ha- yeah. they're called the Hasbro figures. So they're kind of short, more I don't I don't want to say cartoony, but they're a bit more exaggerated figures. Yeah. And... I, I think I had a couple. I all my friends were into wrestling. Wasn't it like WWF back then? I don't know. Yeah, and I was like that. a huge fan. And I guess still yeah. I still like dabble in it these days too. Yeah, I think I had the Bushwhackers. That was the only figures I had, the two figures, and you could put them in a kind of arm lock. Um, yeah. And I think I've, I've seen those kind of started around. You do see them pop up in the shops, those kind of wrestling figures. Um, well, and wrestling is yeah. so big in Japan too. Like, Yeah. And those, but I, I do like that. That kind of generation of figures does, you know, again, interest me in a way. Like, like I've got a couple of the, the more recent He-Man ones, but, you know, He-Man, Thundercats, back back around that kind of generation those those resting figures i think one that really stuck out for me was like the dick tracy ones and i don't know anybody mm-hmm. else who bought those but like i loved those and they were the same they kind of had those exaggerated proportions they've got kind of the little yeah. legs and the kind of big chest and the kind of wide shoulders with the kind of big head um and yeah I, I can understand why you have that kind of connection to those to those figures to those toys yeah so i don't know man it, it's it's coming here it's there's a a collecting reckoning coming in my house here and i just i just gotta really figure out the direction i gotta i want to go back 
I want to get back into the hobby. And I, I think for me to stay engaged with it, I think I have to stay away from modern because I get overwhelmed. And I, I was even looking at the prices and they've gone up even in the last year, of course. And even like Lego, I was looking at Lego prices. Lego prices have shot up quite a bit. Mm. I was like, whoa, I don't remember some of the stuff being that expensive. And so I, I, I have to find a balance there because... I, especially with the Marvel Legends, I just was just like wave after wave after wave, and this like reproduction stuff is kind of bothering me a little bit. Especially when there's like some really low hanging fruit Marvel Legends out there they've never done, like the, like a Chitari soldier. Yeah. Like they appeared in like uh, six, seven movies, and there's not a figure of them. Like stuff like that, I'm just like, why? Why are we? Why are we? Like, and if you're gonna update stuff, you gotta update top to bottom. Like I don't like this. We're gonna give you a new head on this oh, figure okay, yeah. that's 10 years old. And so that that yeah. was kind of like I was actually very excited. That's what's that what got me thinking about getting back into to Marvel Legends and all that. And like I even was like, okay, you know, I had to revamp my my case here and maybe pull it with some more figures, but now I'm like, eh, I'm probably not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go yeah. down this other path. So I think it's it's really tough. I think there's like collecting toys like we, you know, we have get so much excitement and and happiness out of it. But I do think there's also that side like you 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 also get bored of stuff. Like, you know, yeah. I I've got these shelves now and they drive me crazy. Like the the dust that they collect. Yeah. And just looking at this shelf behind me like to clean that thing drives me insane. Like Well, it it's funny because I was listening to a podcast and someone said there's such a difference between having figures on a shelf without being behind glass mm-hmm. and on a shelf behind glass. Like if I was to take those doors off and this is how my old room was, it was all open case stuff. But now that I have this stuff behind glass, it, it just looks different and it feels yeah. different. And you, you definitely decrease the dust problem. And but then you at the same time that's that's true, but the problem is when you have like collections with like like your Marvel Legends collection, um, with the, there being so many, it's yeah. quite hard to display behind glass and in glass cabinets. And I think that's where I'm sitting in the way that I want to kind of downsize and have more focused yeah. pieces within glass cases because the the cases I love the most are my my details with the um the hot toys in them. Just because they just yeah. look nice to look at. And that's why I, I yeah. keep jumping back and forth. I keep thinking, like, I get these, and then I get rid of them, and I go to Hot Toys. Then I start going back to the small scale, and I kind of yeah. want to get rid of this again because I just I just like walking in the room and just seeing some glass cabinets with, you know, some really nice pieces in there. But I just don't get more... that. It feels more professional to me. Yeah, it like... does. It I think it does, and that's what I like. But at the same time, I don't get as much enjoyment in yeah. opening the figures for some reason. There's just not that kind of interaction. They don't. They're not toys. You know, they're yeah. more like collectibles. Statues, collectibles. They're statues. Whereas with the toys, like when I open them and the smile you get from them and just twiddling them around and stuff, like I do. It's a, it's well, like a two two very different hobbies. Yeah, and I I and, can appreciate that, but I will say, like I've been buying these Mills bows. They're called the tall Mills bows from IKEA. And they're effectively a taller detolf, but two of them side by side inside of a signal cabinet. That's that's about yeah. what they they work out to. I, and I get these acrylic risers that go up, and so I can you can fit a ton of figures in these Millswell things. Like I've probably got twenty or thirty like 
very widely spaced Marvel Legends on one shelf mm-hmm. in there. Um, and like a shelf like you got there, because it's so wide, these these new Millsbow things, you can actually, there's a lot of real estate there to put up things. And like that, that that's an option. Like I, I won't, I don't think ever buy a Detolf again. I you can't, they discontinued. Oh, they discontinued them? Oh, there you go, yeah. man. I've been out of the game too long. That's yeah, why they this... discontinued them. Is it in favor of these Millsbows or have they up? People are kicking up about it because, like, you know, people want to extend their Hot Toys collections and then they can't because there's no details anymore. And I went into Ikea a few weeks back and they've got these new versions of details which are skinnier and shorter. And I don't know what anybody would use them for. Skinnier like, and shorter? It's like tiny super small like it's probably i don't know two-thirds the height maybe if that and it's wow. like narrow it doesn't serve like any but you you probably get one hot toy on one yeah. shelf if that you know, you, you, there's no 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 more detail cubes i only got one detail so they're gonna they're, that's gonna be a premium item <laughs> yeah well i think you'll probably get some uh kind of third-party companies or some other companies creating them i've yeah. st- seen some similar things on amazon now but I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Mills, I'm a Millsbow man. Let me tell you, that's that's where yeah. I'm at. Well, that's so. probably my my next <sighs> jump. Hell, you know, although I don't feel any better, <laughs> I, <laughs> I apologize. I uh, I was only the wrong person to give you advice about I, buying. I do I do feel like I uh, I'm a little clearer on maybe my thought process towards the next step. I, I definitely have through this discussion, I've kind of decided that modern is still going to remain something that is a thing of the past in my collection. And that I'm going to go, I think I'm going to do it. Let me see how much follow through I have here, but I'm going to go into the WWF Hasbro and collection and just see what I see what I can come up with here. We'll see what I can come up with here. So anyways, that ends the therapy session for this week. That was I do apologize, you know, I was very much focused on myself. So selfishly, <laughs> Dr. Ian, he's in, in the house. So if you guys need to talk about your, or if you do have a, a collecting conundrum, a crisis of collecting, Ian is available anytime. Dude, of my, the day. my advice anytime was terrible. I didn't even, I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even help you at all. It's all right. Sometimes <laughs> you just need to talk things out loud. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you just, that's, that's just how it works. Anyways, man, this was a lot of fun. I love getting back to the mics. We are bi-weekly now. So shows will be coming out every two weeks as, especially right now as the world of nerd is, is ground to a halt with the, the strikes continuing so much so that the rock and John Cena are now back in the WWE. <laughs> They both showed up last week. I did not know <laughs> I that. I think it's wow. uh, look for a little bit of a payday, if you will, as the strike goes on, because this doesn't conflict with that. So, yeah. So that's that's how we're doing things now here in the Nerd Room. My new podcast, The Podcast Experience, is dropping on October 5th. You, we sit, you will see a trailer drop for it next Thursday in that feed. And then it's going to continue on. We're going to see how this works. We're going to give this a month or two and see how it works inside here in the Nerd Room. We don't like and we hate it and we have to go back to weekly then maybe that's what we do but we will have at least two episodes a month in this feed plus movie reviews and, and things like that as we get into the latter part of the year here with things like the marvels aquaman whatever else is coming out i don't remember anything else coming out that we would review Dude, my favorite movie my most anticipated two weeks the creator oh the creator rebel that. moon the creator rebel moon and rebel moon 
I don't that, know. When that, is that? That's that's coming out. Rebel Moon. Is that? Yeah, it is. Is that December? I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I don't care. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> Anyways, if you'd like to be a bigger part of this podcast or this conversation, always email us at neuromedgmail.com. You can find Ian and I on Twitter, I or whatever it is, X. I'm not on X really that much anymore. I found it's a bit of a dumpster fire, so I do periodically go on there and I'll throw things up like our box office fantasy draft, but I do spend a lot less time on there. So email is a great way to get a hold of us. Commenting on the podcast, sharing the podcast would be excellent, guys. And, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes we come in here and we have things to talk about. Some things that we try to put a positive spin on most things and sometimes we end up a little bit below the line. But it's okay because next week we'll be coming back or I guess in two weeks we'll be coming back with uh, with all your favorite nerd. We'll be rounding that up and delivering it to you. So I guess with all that being said, Brother Ian for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Ian. Thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net and the Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room.